Good morning. Hope you're doing well this morning. I was uh, sitting in a bar in Williamsburg last week, and the reason being is because I went to Williamsburg to a restaurant with my family, and it was just Jake, and my, Jake myself, and my father-in-law. And um, we went to the restaurant, and it was a 30-minute wait. In the state of Virginia, it's okay for kids to sit at the bar. I went and checked it out, and I thought it was a safe place. Please don't judge my parenting. And of course, two seats down from me was a guy, and he was waiting for his girlfriend. And uh, she was really late, and I, we started talking. I was, you know, saying, oh, she's not going to show up, man. And we were having a little fun, and uh, we started a conversation. And, and next thing I know, you know, he's, we're just talking. He was military. He worked in the military for 10 years. He's a retired police officer in Hampton Roads, Virginia. He's from Boston. I'm from Connecticut. We just sort of struck up a conversation. And so he and I were talking on this side. And then around the corner, there was a family that was sitting right there, a couple. And they were talking to him on that side. So he'd over here talk to me. And then he would talk to them, still waiting for his girlfriend to show up. And she's not showing up. And then he was having a conversation with them. I couldn't hear that. I was having a conversation with him. And they couldn't hear that. And then all of a sudden, he just said, you know, I've seen a lot of really bad things in my life seen a lot of really rough things in my life. And I said, you know, that's, that's why the town that I live in, the town of Cary, has asked for um, the firemen to have chaplains because the firemen see a lot of things that are really bad. And so I'd introduce that as a chaplain, and then he said, you know, I just got to tell you something right now, really in this Boston, how you doing, park the car kind of accent. And he said, I just got to tell you something right now. I'm sitting over here, and I'm talking to you, and I'm talking to you over here, and my heart is just so filled with goodness, he says, I have sat and I have talked to rapists. I've talked to murderers. I've talked to abusers. And he says, I'm just sitting here right now and I am just so filled at the goodness of people that are in the world today. I mean, this couple and you, I'll never see you again. And all of a sudden, he's going on and very demonstrative in his talking. And about, I don't know, about five or 10 minutes later, the couple over there had finished their meal and he had, the guy stood up and he says, hey, listen, just a minute ago, you said that you were so overwhelmed that of the goodness of people, and I need to let you know what is good about us. He said, it's Jesus. He has made the absolute difference in my life, and I cannot leave here without telling you and explaining to you what the difference is. It's Jesus. He's everything to me. It's the greatest gift I've ever been given. And he goes, isn't that right, chaplain? <laughs> and it was like, I was in the WWF and it was like my, my partner tagged my hand and I was jumping into the ring. And I came and I said, listen to me, man, I just need to tell you something. I sat there and I looked him in the face and I just told him, I said, the greatest thing that you can ever do with your life is accept. He is so good. And as I look at Colossians, that it just screams the supremacy of Christ in all things. Then we come to the very end, and Paul starts listing all these names, and Paul is screaming to you and I, I can't do this all by myself. we got to do this together. It's about teamwork. And I look at the sovereign hand of God placing me in a bar in Williams, and I'm sitting there with my 12-year-old son and my 74-year-old father-in-law, and we're sitting there, we have a conversation with this guy from Boston, and the folks on the other side start talking about Jesus, and I start talking about Jesus, and I'm saying, man, this is incredible. The couple gets up, they start leaving and stuff like that, and he looks at me, and I, I said, hey, he said, it's good to meet you. It's good to see someone else who loves Jesus, 
And I looked at him and I said, hey, hey, I need you to know something. I will see you again. And he looked at me and he says, and I know where that will be. Jake looked at me and he says, what do you mean by that, dad? I said, that man's a Christian, that lady's a Christian. I more than likely would never see him here on this earth ever again. But I am going to sit and worship King Jesus because I've placed my faith in him. And so have they. They've placed their faith in King Jesus. And so we're gonna worship the king forever. And let's hope and let's pray that that guy sitting in the middle, whose girlfriend did come, (laughs) she did show up. Let's hope that he would accept the greatest gift in the world to say that Jesus is supreme and he is sufficient for all things. And I think what I learned and what I saw last week was just this beauty of just teamwork coming together, sharing the greatest message in the world and seeing God bring up opportunities. We have been learning over the last 10 weeks in our study of the book of Colossians where Paul is in house arrest and he has never met these people and he's writing to them and he's telling them right now, guys, I need to listen, you need to listen to me. You are qualified, you are delivered, and you are transferred, and you are redeemed, not because of what you have done, but because of what he has done. He is supreme in creation. He then goes in, we learned in chapter three, says, hey, I want you to take this off, and I want you to put this on. I want the gospel to invade your marriage, your parenting, your work relationships. We've learned a lot about all of this. And then he comes to the beautiful verse, Uh, The beautiful verses of verses 7 through 18 in chapter 4. And it just is, honestly, it's it's overwhelming. And it is beautiful. And that's where we're going to be. If there was one verse that I would want you to remember in our study of Colossians, it would be Colossians 1.28. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And my hope is that in God's sovereign plan that he would have used the last 10 weeks in this book to help shape your maturity in Jesus. That the things that we have learned about the superiority of Christ in all things, that he is supreme, that it would mark your life as you continue to make disciples who make disciples, which is what we are all about and want to be all about. So who do we proclaim? We proclaim him. Why? Because we want to be mature in Christ. Here's our big idea for this morning. Here's our big idea for this morning. The supremacy of Christ is seen when the people of Christ function as a team. The supremacy of Christ is seen when the people of Christ function as a team. I'm going to go ahead and tell you I'm gonna say something that's incredibly cheesy. Instead of talking behind my back, you can say that's cheesy after I say it. Are you ready? Teamwork makes the dream work. There you go. We just went fifth grade on you right now, right? Teamwork makes the dream work. That's that's sort of the the summary of his book. He comes down in here and he is the one that's leading them. He is the one that's talking to them and he's saying, hey, none of this is possible without a bunch of people and he just starts listing names. So let's go ahead and read the entire text and I'm gonna summarize it in about four words. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions if he comes to you. Welcome him. Verse 11, and Jesus, who is called Justice, These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers 
for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear witness that he has worked hard for you and those in Laodicea and in Heriopolis. Verse 14, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha, the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And see that you also read the letter from the Laodiceans. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. And that concludes the letter of the, um, his letter to the Colossians. Again, he'd never met them before. And then he writes and concludes that he's got some folks that have helped him along the way in getting the message of the gospel out and the delivering of the letters. So number one, the first, let, the first word that I just want you to see is bench warmer. Bench warmer. And really what I want you to see is that bench warmer is not listed as a spiritual gift. Let me play, make sure it's very clear. When serving King Jesus, nobody should be riding the bench. Everybody is invited on the playing field to lift high the name of Jesus and to accomplish the mission by which we are left here. And if we are on the bench, then, listen, we're robbing ourselves of all that we can and learn about God, and I would say being sinful. Tychicus, who, who was he? Well, he's, from, he's a Gentile from Asia Minor. He traveled with Paul on his third missionary journey, and Paul really used him to send the letters when he was in jail to the Ephesians, the Colossians, and, to, and the Philemon, the letters that he, he had written. He was very closely associated with Paul. All of these people were, but specifically uh, Tychicus. And so when we take a look at our involvement here at Northwest, when we take a look at what's going on, I think the question that we have to come face to face with is what am I doing in my local church, in Northwest Community Church, to help accomplish the mission by which we are placed and left here to do? We always have to ask that question. What needs to be done? And that's a question we need to ask. Benchwarmer is not a spiritual gift. The second word I want us to see is diversity. I, I think so many times in church world today, in our culture right now, we're saying the churches need to be diverse. They're to this, they're to that. We don't have enough diversity. We need to do this. Here's what we need to do. I know, hey, churches, go hire someone that is not white and let them work on staff. And then therefore, your church will become diverse. David, Adam, myself, Jade, Shannon, and Dana went to this conference in Nashville, Tennessee, and this really dynamic preacher got up there. He's a pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. He said, you want to know how to make your churches diverse? Don't hire a worship leader or, or, or someone on staff. He said, plain and simply, do one thing. Invite them. He said, just invite them. Be friends and invite people. Just invite all people to your church. Just invite it. And so here's what we see in this text right now. Paul lists a bunch of pe pe people, Aristarchus, Mark, and Justice, and he says, these are people of the circumcision. What he's basically saying is that these are Jews. Then he goes down and he says, Luke, Epaphras, and Demas, those were Gentiles, and it says that they were a comfort to him. They comforted him in his ministry. 
And so when we take a look at Luke, Epaphras, and Demas as Gentiles, and Aristarchus, Mark, and Justice as Jews, we realize that there was, there was a racial teamwork that was happening for the glory of God. And something that we simply must be about. Inviting. I think there's another uh, word that I want to sort of share with you right now, and that's, uh, uh, it's warning. Here's a warning. As Paul is finishing his letter and he basically lists different people, he uses, uh, he, he, he says things, he says two things. Number one, he asks about Demas. Now Demas in the letter is um, singled out by Paul in this letter as being someone who has been very helpful to him. But in, first, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, it says that Demas, having loved the present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. And so here is Demas, and he's, with, he's there, and he's with Paul, and then he left Paul because the world was too important or more important. And then also Paul uh, talks about Laodicea. And so in the church, he's saying, hey, the Laodiceans, he gives them credit. He talks about them. He mentions them. He affirms them. But if we read the book of Revelation, chapter 3, John, who gets a vision from the Lord, is writing, and he writes to the seven churches. The church that he writes to are Samira, Thyatira, and then he also writes to Ephesus, and he writes to um, Laodicea, the Laodicean church. And what he says to the Laodicean church is, you are neither hot nor cold. Would you be hot or cold? I will spew you out of my mouth. You are lukewarm. And so here's what I think we have to understand as a church is that we have to be very careful and clear that we must understand the warning that is out there for us lest we drift away ourselves. We must continually to face the opposition. We must continue to look to God. We must continue to be reminded that it's Jesus plus nothing that equals everything. Here, here is the main thing that we see is it's a warning to us as a church, just like it was a warning to the Laodicean church. You see, hot water is good because hot water provides ointment and nourishment for sicknesses. Cold water is good because it produces um, refreshment. And so in the book of Revelation, where he's talking about the Laodicean church, he's saying, hey, listen, it's okay to be hot because that is helpful, and it's okay to be cold because that is helpful. It's not okay to be lukewarm. That's not helpful. So he's saying, hey, hey, church, I want you to make the decision. Be on fire for me. Be a cool, refreshing drink for me to those that you pastor, that you lead, that you serve alongside. And be used to help people with the hot water that can be used for sicknesses or infection is what they would use it for in that day. The last word that I want you to see, the last word that I want you to see is, is sight, is the word sight. He says in verse 17, it says this, say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you received in the Lord. See that you fulfill. That word jumped out to me in my study this week and last week. It was, he's looking at Archippus and he's saying, I'm not really sure what's going on with him but what he's happens is Paul signifies him out and looks at it and says, hey, listen, I want you to wake up and I want you to see that you fulfill it. I don't want you to be distracted. I don't want you to get, get off track. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by what God has told us to do. That's, I want you to make disciples who make disciples. And I don't want you to lose sight of that. We've been saying that at the end of our services for the last several weeks 
and our benediction, the Great Commission. I'm hoping that we'll get to a place where we can all memorize that so that we will not lose sight of what we're all about and what we're to, what we're to do. Go and make disciples. He looks at Archippus, he looks at Northwest, and he says, hey, see to it that you fulfill this ministry that's been given to you by the Lord. Get after it. Make much of me, Archippus. Northwest, do the same. I want to convince you and I want to let you know that I change people. And I let you in on what I'm doing and that's getting witness to seeing them changed for the glory of God. I can change people. So go do just that. So here's the big idea. Here's the big idea. One more time. The supremacy of Christ is seen when the people of Christ function as a team. The supremacy of Christ is seen when the people of Christ function as a team. Now, David and I were sitting in the office and we were just talking about um, Colossians and ending the letter of Colossians and finishing it up. And um, he had this beautiful idea. He just said, Matt, what happens if you would write a letter like Paul wrote a letter to the Colossians? What if you wrote a letter to us as Northwest? And I started thinking, I was like, okay, but I, I simply don't want to put myself in the same place as Paul. I mean, for crying out loud, he murdered somebody. I didn't, I mean. <laughs> All right, you, you got my point, right? I want this letter to shepherd us as a team for the glory and the fame of his name. So I just sat down and I wrote a letter to us um, that I feel like will summarize our book and our study in Colossians and I hope will be a catalyst for the future uh, for us as a church as we love God, love people and make much of him all over our city and our world for his name's sake and not our own. And so here is my letter to you. To all the saints and servants at Northwest Community Church, grace and peace from God our Father. I have seen your love of other people and all people. I have seen your hurt, your confusion, and I'm grateful for the patience you have had, especially over the last two years. I have seen how you care for people, and with such grace and love, you do this better than anyone I've ever seen. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. We know God because we see Jesus and behold him. Jesus is before all things. For in him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Northwest. Jesus alone has qualified, transferred, delivered, and redeemed you. Or can do that if he already hasn't. He did what you could not do. So love him, serve him, and revere him. Even Jesus could not please everyone, so please stop trying to please man and surrender to the fact that Jesus is enough for your soul. Never forget that your job, your kids, your bank account, the likes you get on social media and how many friends you have cannot become the measurement of your salvation. Let the word of God richly dwell in you. Allow it to shape your attitudes and actions. Take off your pride and identify the sin that is your struggle and put it to death this day. 
Put on Christ. See it that no one takes you captive to the lies we face like moralistic therapeutic deism that ultimately says that you are God. Resist this belief, I pray, and put it to death today. Let Jesus be supreme in your marriage. Cling to Jesus, love and respect each other. Let Jesus be supreme in your parenting. Love your kids, disciple your kids. Let God's word be high and lifted up in your home. Teach your kids to love God's church by your love for God's church. Let your coworkers and your neighbors see Jesus in you. Let us continue steadfastly in prayer. Prayer is more than a transition tool in a service or at prayer to, or at dinner time. Prayer is a gift from God and the way we know him better. God has provided us a way to talk to him, so let's do it. Continue to serve Jesus as a team. You are a gift to each other. Be accountable to each other. Do your part. Work heartily to the Lord as unto the Lord. See to it that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Go make disciples who make disciples. And I'm at, write these words with my own hands. Grace be with you. I love you, Northwest. Let us pray. God, I love you and I thank you for who you are. And I am grateful for this day. You are in charge of all things and I declare that you are sovereign. And I look at the text and I look that it is absolutely impossible for us to be a team, for us not to be a team. If we're going to accomplish much for you here and over there, wherever there is, then Lord, the only way we're going to do that is if we come together and realize that we must come together to serve you and function as a team. And so I'm grateful. I'm grateful for this team that you have assembled. I'm grateful for the things that you are doing and the things that you will do. May you be honored as we talk and as we share and as we lead. May you bless our time right now. In Jesus' name, amen.